So, why study prophecy? You know, we do take a look at prophetic-based things here on the on our podcast. We spend a lot of time looking at end times and be able to sort of decipher some of the things that the scriptures have to say about these things. And decipher is frankly a little bit too strong of a word, actually, because uh, while there are some things that maybe we're not entirely sure how they'll pan out, by and large, a pretty good amount of things, scripturally speaking, when it comes to prophecy, um, are, are able to be understood. And uh, oftentimes the problem is not so much that we don't understand them, but that we sometimes don't think that they literally mean what they mean. And uh, as, as God seems to have demonstrated over time, over and over again, it seems that um, sometimes we have been more often prone to err on the side of spiritualizing things rather than see them uh, as they really are. And so I thought I would just take a little time today to kind of delve into just a pretty basic question. Why study prophecy in the first place? I mean, can I just be a, a solid Bible-believing Christian and, and not really worry about that stuff? Well, yeah, you can, certainly. I mean, if you don't understand prophecy or if you're not interested in looking into it, it's not like you're not a believer. It's not like you're not going to go to heaven or any of that kind of stuff. I think there are still some legitimate reasons why we should be students of the Word in this area and not just just in maybe the more comfortable areas, the ones that maybe don't require as much effort to understand. I think there's some real value in understanding prophecy. And so I just wanted to dive into a few reasons here as to, at least in my opinion, uh, why prophecy is an important thing to study for the average Christian, not just someone who's, you know, who teaches the Bible on any kind of regular basis, but any believer, any just average, typical, normal believer. Uh, I think there's tremendous value in studying this topic of prophecy. Uh, And for starters, uh, just the simple fact that, you know, about between 25 and 30 percent of the scripture is devoted to the subject of prophecy. Not all of it's end times prophecies, but there's different kinds. There's prophecy that uh, happens in one part of the Bible that is fulfilled in other parts of the Bible and, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, in, in that kind of a frame. But there's also tons of messianic prophecy. Hey, think about it in terms of, um, you know, what, uh, you know, the things that were said about Jesus prior to uh, his arrival on the scene. You think about it, uh, Micah 5.2 talks about where he'd be born in Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you're little among the uh, the many of Judah, yet out of you will come uh, will come the Messiah and such. And so, uh, or what about Isaiah 7.14, which uh, talks about the fact that he will be uh, born miraculously. It won't be a typical kind of a birth. Know people sometimes get caught up on the idea that the word virgin there is not necessarily what Isaiah says, but uh, clearly he's talking about something miraculous sur- uh, surrounding his birth, because after all, a maiden having a baby is not a big deal, right? So clearly he's got something in view there. Uh, and of course, we recognize that Jesus was in fact virgin born, probably the, the greatest kind of miracle you could have in relation to that, the idea that Mary's able to have a child without the normal course of things, even as it says back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, uh, where it talks about how the seed of the woman will, uh, be, st- heel will be struck by the serpent, but this, this one will crush the serpent's head. These are all prophecies. This is all dealing with the topic of God foretelling ahead of time those things that ultimately would happen. And there's over 300 of these kinds of prophecies relating to Jesus' first coming. And this becomes a great uh, bane, a uh, great boon, I should say, not a bane, but a boon, some B word, a boon to our faith, um, when we understand how minutely God has accurately fulfilled the things he said he would. 
Um, and, and it's said that there's over 500 prophecies about Jesus' second coming. And so there ought to be things that we should be looking for uh, in regard to his second coming. And of course, that would touch on the idea of, uh, of, uh, of end times prophecy, which of course is another area that the Bible speaks uh, prolifically about. Uh, think about passages like Ezekiel 37 or uh, Isaiah 11:11, where it talks about the literal returning of Israel to the land. Bring you back a second time, Isaiah would say. Ezekiel would talk about the dry bones coming back to life and ultimately coalescing. Um, what about Acts chapter 2, where Peter shares this famous first sermon uh, to the believers there in Jerusalem? Well, that sermon was very directly connected with the introduction of the last days. Uh, when he quotes from Joel chapter 2, that's a he says it's a fulfillment of Joel 2, which talks about how in the last days or the latter times. Uh, God would pour out his spirit on all flesh, and there'd be dreams and visions and such. This is something that is prophesied in Joel, and Peter speaks about the fulfillment of it in their day. In other words, it mattered that this was a prophecy that God had given, and it mattered that it was fulfilled in those days. Um, you know, what about, um, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, speaking about the coming, uh, the rapture of the church, uh, something uh, that is yet to come, but is foretold. Should we spiritualize that or think it's something else? Or should we simply take God and his word about this? Paul seems to go to great lengths to talk about how a literal event will take place where many, many, many people, believers in Christ, will just be miraculously snatched away in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, he talks about this and, and other elements that will be characteristic of the last days in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, or 2 Thessalonians chapters uh, 2 and 3, ultimately where he talks about what conditions will look like, ultimately leading, uh, or Second Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm sorry, but uh, where it, he talks eloquently about the Antichrist coming, a third temple being built that the Antichrist will walk into. Um, you know, these are important things for us to recognize. Um, another reason we study prophecy, by the way, uh, somewhat in conjunction with all the things we've mentioned so far and we'll continue to talk about, is that we learn a lot about the nature and character of God when we study the entire counsel of God. Uh, to leave 25 to 30 percent of the Bible sort of aside is, is, is by definition inherently going to sort of tie our hands a little bit in regard to understanding God's nature as fully as he would want us to. Uh, you know, when we when we think about some of the things that God does in fulfilling prophecy, it tells us things about the way he thinks about things, the kinds of things that he does. Well, that's inherently going to tell us more about his character and nature. And I, I, I think that's valuable for us to not set those things aside. Again, not all of these things are easy to understand. I mean, obviously, uh, some things take some real digging in, and, and there's great reward in that. And so we don't want to set it aside. But one acknowledge that sometimes it's more challenging and it takes a little bit more effort to understand. But that effort is worth it. It pays off uh, tremendously. Great dividends in this. Well, another reason we study the Word of God is because we're encouraged to study prophecy in the Word of God. Is because we're encouraged to study prophecy in the Word of God. We're encouraged to understand it. Uh, think about somebody like Daniel, who uh, in uh, uh, in he sets himself to prayer in Daniel chapter 9. In the first opening verses of that chapter, we see the reason why. Because he recognized that in Jeremiah's prophecy, there was going to be 70 years of captivity. And Daniel took that literally and realized that that time was just about up. And so he set himself to praying a 
about what would be next. And it's during that time that God gave him uh, what we famously know as Daniel's 70-week prophecy regarding the coming of Messiah. And, and so this becomes uh, you know, an important reason to understand prophecy because it tells us what's coming. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus himself, in Matthew 24, verse 15, he talks about uh, uh, the, the, something out of the book of Daniel, the, the abomination, abomination of desolation that's coming, and, uh, and that is going to take place. And as he's talking about it, when you see these things, and John parenthetically uh, inserts this admonition, let the reader understand. Okay, there's no other way to take that than the fact that John... Uh, we don't know if Jesus said that specifically. It would seem that John was sort of inserting that, but it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit inserted that in there. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit's intention is that we would study not just the Bible in general, but this particular prophecy. Let the reader understand. Understand what? The thing that's being spoken of it in particular, that was Daniel's 70 weeks, ultimately leading to an abomination of desolations that would, uh, that would ultimately usher in the time Christ, but later on of Christ's return himself. There's a lot of things in Daniel and other places throughout Scripture that speak of these things, and we would do well to pour ourselves into understanding them as best as we can. Um, as a matter of fact, in that, uh, in Jesus' own uh, condemnation of the leaders of Israel, you know, uh, he weeps over Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19 as he's about to enter the city and he weeps over it and he weeps over it specifically because they were they were going to one day be destroyed because they would not and did not recognize the day that Jesus would arrive into Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey in fulfillment of Zechariah 9 declaring himself essentially to be the Messiah fulfilling prophecy that clearly demonstrated who he was claiming to be and who he in fact was but the Jewish leaders were so completely uh, opposed to him that when it finally happened, when he finally came, they rejected him. And he, knowing this, wept over the city before he even entered into it. And he ultimately talked about how the city would be destroyed, it would be sacked and leveled wide. Now one stone left upon another, as he would go on to explain in Matthew 24. Uh, but he said this was because they did not know or recognize this their day. In other words, Daniel's prophecy about the very day that Messiah would arrive was something that they literally could have calculated to the day. Literally 173,880 days from the day the command went forth to rebuild Jerusalem to the time that the Messiah would come would be literally, you could do a countdown. And Jesus came in on exactly that day. Fulfilling that prophecy, not just in Zechariah 9.9, but even all the way back in Daniel. And so this becomes an important thing that Jesus expected uh, the leaders of the people to recognize, and they didn't, and it cost them dearly. Well, we don't want to be of, this, of the kind of mindset where we reject uh, the idea of studying the things that God has said about future events, uh, lest we miss some very important things ourselves. Um, you know, we want to ultimately dive into these things and understand them because it helps us to get a sense of what's coming. When the signs of the times begin to become evident, then we understand what time it is. Jesus would say something very similar to this to the Pharisees 
uh, as well. He would say, you know, uh, you look at the sky and, and you can tell the signs of the weather and everything, but you can't tell the signs of the times you're living in, in reference to his first coming. Uh, Chuck Missler used to famously uh, connect the uh, kind of the old nautical phrase, you know, the red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky in the morning, sailor take warning. The idea being that you could look at the sky and tell what kind of day to expect the next day. And you could basically plan based on that knowledge. Well, Jesus is, is virtually saying the very same kind of a thing in regard to recognizing the time of his coming. And certainly as he gives so much detail about the days leading up to the very end and ultimately his own coming and establishing his kingdom, he would certainly expect us to read and to understand when those things are coming, that we'd recognize these things and not be ignorant of them. And, and not only not be ignorant of them, but one of the reasons we study prophecy is something that Paul very specifically uh, commended the Thessalonians to do uh, in, in thinking about what he had taught them about the days leading up to the coming of Christ. He spoke about the rapture in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, verses 13 to 18. He talks about how we're not subject to God's wrath in, uh, in, second, in uh, 1, Corinthians, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, and at the, at the end of each of those two sections, he says, encourage one another with these words. Uh, you know, I understand in some, you know, uh, some of the reasons why people might be a little turned off or a little afraid of things like prophecy. You know, on the one hand, you know, nobody wants to look foolish and be sort of equated with some of these people that walk around with sandwich boards and megaphones and, and stuff like this. And, and they just, they almost, you know, are kind of a turnoff kind of a person. And when you start talking about prophecy, uh, you know, sometimes people look at you like you're a little bit of a wacko or something. Um, and that's one reason why people kind of uh, get nervous about talking about prophecy or even spending time studying prophecy. Another reason is because in, in all fairness and honesty and transparency, some things we really don't fully know how they're going to uh, become known. You know, we talk a lot about like the mark of the beast and stuff. And in this current time, there's all kinds of talk about vaccines being the mark of the beast and things like this. And so sometimes we're just not really sure how things will look or pan out when they finally do happen. But we allow for that. That doesn't mean that we just sort of dismiss the whole idea of prophecy out of hand. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not wise to simply, because I don't understand all of it, to not try to delve in and understand at least a good part of it. Um, there are some details that, that we'll have filled in when they finally happen. Um, but at the same time, the study of this topic should not be a turnoff for us. It shouldn't cause us to, to sort of look to other pages of Scripture to study other topics. Rather, the study of prophecy and last things is intended to be an encouragement to us. We're encouraged by studying these things because it reminds us that God's plans and purposes are ultimately going to um, are ultimately going to be fulfilled. That they will happen as we watch things happen as He said they will. That tells us that ultimately things will continue on and conclude just as He's ordained, as He's foretold, as He's foreordained uh, to happen. And that should bring us tremendous confidence. Yes, we might be troubled at what's going on around us, and when we read about some of these prophecies, we might be troubled at the kinds of conditions that we might be living in leading up to the time when Jesus comes to snatch us away. But that, that should not overrun or override the excitement, the, the encouragement, the thrill of the knowledge that these things are coming together just as God said. You know, we on the one hand pray for the lost. We seek to bring people to a saving faith that they too can partake in these things that God has made available. Um, but 
Um, and so we do that. And so we don't relish in the idea that hard times are gonna come and that those who reject um, are gonna go through some incredibly hard times in the tribulation and such, uh, especially in the great tribulation. But that should not dissuade us from celebrating the fact that God's plans and purposes will ultimately reach their crescendo and we will be able to celebrate and enjoy and rejoice with him forever and that day is getting closer and closer and closer as we look around us we see things happening that indicate that very very clearly um, and also we just don't want to be surprised by events because as we continue to live out our Christian lives in the in, in the midst of a world that is uh, moving closer and closer to Christ's return um, as things happen, as, as leaders kind of move into position, as, as nations coalesce together into a revived Roman Empire, as we see in Scripture, as an Antichrist rises to power, I don't think we'll be here to see those things. Um, but as conditions begin to move in such a way where it becomes evident that plans to make that happen are becoming more and more clear, and, uh, you know, and, and honestly, without getting too far on a tangent, uh, those who are kind of putting it together are not even making secrets about it anymore. So it's, it's, it's something that's getting really, really hard to avoid recognizing is actually going on in our day. And, and, and I guess on one additional brief little tangent, we shouldn't assume that things will go on like they always have. At some point, the things that God spoke about are going to happen. And when you see things that seem to indicate that it's taking place now, we shouldn't think, well, you know, like Peter kind of warns against those who say, well, things are just going to go on like they have at the beginning. Where's the promise of his coming? Things are just like they've always been. Um, we would not do well to think that way. Peter's and kind of steering believers away from that kind of thinking. Jesus told parables about those who uh, were not ready for the master's coming and that kind of thing. You know, there's a principle underlying that, uh, that we should take heed to. We should not be those that say, my master delays his coming. Because when we do, we sort of start getting a little bit more comfortable here. We start building deeper roots. Uh, we start thinking in more worldly terms and not really in terms of eternity as God has really created us and designed us and called us to. And so studying prophecy is something that excites us and encourages us. Is it possible to read something into every little thing that's happening? Yeah, sure, I suppose. We can misinterpret things when we're, when we're um, just looking for something under every single possible thing. On the other hand, I, you know, all things ultimately are working according to God's purposes, and so it's not like there aren't a lot of things that we can uh, surmise in the details, but it is possible for us to, to get wrapped up in things and start sort of inventing things in our desire to understand prophecy. But I would suggest that just simply reading what the Scripture says right on the surface, without even trying to go under and find all kinds of secret meanings of things, which I don't always really encourage a lot, because I think there's plenty right there on the surface for us to to pick up. There's plenty of manna right there for us to pick up. Um, when we do that, how can we not be excited? Lord, you've said these things are coming, and I'm seeing them happen right before my eyes. Uh, you know, again, the last days began with Acts chapter 2 and Peter's sermon when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, the, the last days got kicked into high gear in, in, in the mid-40s when Israel became a nation again. Uh, things are going into overdrive. World Economic Forum is looking for ways. Uh, the Council on Foreign Relations, the um, you know all these different organizations that are uh, uh, that are seeking to bring together the world into one unified global community. Uh, they're just going to be ready to receive uh, a world leader. And and 
I happen to think the rapture is going to be one of those linchpin events uh, that's going to ultimately cause the world to fall into such chaos where they'll be all the more ready to receive a leader when he comes. Now again, people have different views on the rapture, and I respect that. And, and it may not work out like I just said. It may be different. Um, but in whatever way that it does happen, we know that it will because God has said so. And we know this when we study the Word and we study prophecy in the Word. So let me encourage you to uh, to set aside the concerns and fears that it might be difficult. It might be uh, you might make a mistake and all that. Hey, you're going to bump your head into the wall sometimes trying to figure some of this stuff out. Get with somebody and other believers and, and talk about these things and do scripture cross-reference searches and do all kinds of things to build the, the picture that the Bible paints. Uh, believe me, I'm not the only person online by a long shot talking about uh, Bible prophecy, using the scripture as the primary source and not going to all kinds of other things. There's lots of good resources out there. You can listen to people like uh, Don Stewart, Jack Hibbs. You can listen to uh, Amir Sarfati talks about things a lot. You can, uh, I know I'm, uh, Jan Markell, goodness gracious, she has guests on all the time where they have these conversations constantly. Um, there's a lot of good resources out there that talk about biblical prophecy. Uh, and, and those are just some that happen to uh, hold a pre-trip view, but there's other people that have, um, uh, you know, understandings about uh, end times prophecy as well that can give some insights. So there's a lot of resource out there. Uh, don't set it aside. Learn it, be excited in it, look forward to all that God has said being fulfilled. Uh, so that said, I just want to encourage you to kind of think about those things and not set this topic aside. It's a beautiful, wonderful, exciting, encouraging, uh, life-giving kind of a pursuit to dive into these things and seek to understand them. And again, there's rich reward in understanding them. So let me encourage you. Father, we just thank you for all that you've given us in your word. We thank you that uh, you've spoken about so many of these things that are happening in our day and have been happening for a long, long time, preparing the way for the days that we're starting to see unfold in front of us. And Father, while on the one hand, I don't have any idea exactly when Jesus will come to snatch us away, I do know that it's gonna be soon. I do know that it could be, uh, I mean, I, I, I understand that it could be in my own lifetime. It could be before we finish watching this podcast. Uh, but Father, whenever that time is, uh, we want to recognize the times in which we live and be about the business you've called us to, and especially gaining a sense of urgency as we see the times we're living. Father, we thank you so much for giving us such encouraging things to look at, and we pray that we'd not be afraid to pursue a deeper understanding. Help us, Father, to understand these things and, uh, and to embrace all that they ultimately lead to, and that is the establishing of your kingdom here on the earth. Even as we so often have prayed, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Lord. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as always, you're free to uh, I'd invite you to go ahead and uh, comment or uh, you know, share some passages that, that maybe deal with what we've been talking about and uh, encourage one another with these things. Uh, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can do so by commenting in the YouTube video as you're watching it or maybe on my uh, website if you're watching it there or if you're listening on uh, one of the... Um, well, if you're watching, you can, uh, uh, you can comment on either of those outlets. If you're listening, or if you want to send an email, you can uh, email me at our church website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. You can uh, find the link there to email me. Or you can go to my personal website at parsonspad.com, and you can also go ahead and uh, email me through there as well. And I'll do my best to keep up and, and, and get back to you and interact. I definitely appreciate the conversations and stuff that can go on around these topics. So by all means, please feel free to do that. And until next time, I pray that you just... Uh, 
keep your eyes open and, uh, and just be aware of the times in which we're living because we're getting closer and closer to seeing our Savior face to face.